Welcome everyone to Almost Cancelled. I am Peter, that is Connor, and this is our TV news edition of the podcast. We were going to talk about pilots, renewals, cancellations, series orders, all that kind of thing, all the all the juicy stuff, uh, ranging from shows we're interested in to our usual fun trip down the, the network broadcast TV slate and basically make fun of all the shows they describe because they're usually boring and are funnily written. Uh, so that is what's uh, on the docket here uh, for, for today. Um, we actually have some fairly big news on this. It's, again, we'll be kind of in this like every other week cycle of the new show. Um, and it kind of worked out in our favour this time because the back half of last week, because we're recording this at the start of the week, which is a bit weird, but we are. And the back half of last week was basically dead for the most part because of Thanksgiving. Uh, like half of the, mm. the week was just devoid of anything uh all on one juicy thing which is what i am using as the headline that we're no, going to talk about first because out of nowhere uh we have a new project from netflix uh titled currently as wisteria which could just be a working title could be a code name rather than the final title it's just really hard to say honestly uh, but why is this interesting? Why do we care about this? We care about this because this is being billed as written and directed by David Lynch. Mm. We have new David uh, Lynch material, which on its own is an event. Regard- well, it's a movie or a TV. That he-, he makes stuff so rarely now, and I love his stuff so much that it doesn't matter. It's the time he's making something, it's an event. It's no, I get that. The conspiracy theorists, and I say conspiracy in a good way here, uh, are you know are pointing out that wisteria. The only other thing that anyone can think of with the word wisteria in it is Desperate Housewives. Like they lived on Wisteria Lane, um, right? Okay. And season two of that show, and maybe more actually after that. I don't know if he stuck around, but Kelly McLachlan was in that show. Uh, mm, so, okay. <laughs> uh, and it is from the same production company who made Twin Peaks: The Return. People, you know, people are going nuts for the theories. Honestly. I don't care if it is or if it isn't connected to Twin Peaks. New David Lynch material, it, whether it's completely standalone and just some new David Lynch, like, mind-meld thing, well, or if it is connected to Twin Peaks, I don't care. Either way, I'm going to be ecstatic. Sure. I I would say expect it not to be Twin Peaks and yes. be pleasantly surprised if it is. Having the same actor means so little, especially when it's an actor that, you know, he's worked with multiple times already over oh, decades. Oh. Don't, don't mistake what I just said there. Kel McClacken is is in no way attached to this this project. No, no, I know, I I know. Um, but potentially, you know, that's the link here, is what I'm saying. Yes. You know, just just that is is nothing. Oh no, I didn't bring that up as a serious suggestion. So much as just an amusing like tie that people are clinging to because it's kind of funny. Um, so this is killing. It's got it's got a a production start time of May. So the the the, the plan to shoot this is is May next year. Uh, which seems... I mean, stuff's kind of shooting anyway, you, you know, just with more precautions. Off and um, on. Yeah. Uh, maybe, you know, aiming for this start time is kind of like the hope that things are a bit better by then. Um, but it is possible they could be... be a bit I of mean, a push, he, but... he's not exactly a, a sprightly young fella. He needs to take precautions himself. Honestly, I, I, I am a-okay with them giving him essentially the, the, the Popemobile and let him direct from that. Direct from that, yeah. Direct from the Portmobile. To, to preserve David Lynch at all costs, people. That's what's important here. <laughs> yeah. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, because I did skim this news when it broke over the weekend. Um, mm-hmm. None of this was officially ordered by Netflix. This is all just things have been spotted in the wild. Well, 
I think there's a difference between officially ordered and announced, officially announced as ordered. I think there's a difference there because sure. th- th- this popped up in the trades, this popped up in the production trades of like what's shooting in the, in the you know, in the location, you know, in the, in California. Sure. Is. Uh, we, you know, where stuff's going to be shooting soon. And it's like, hey, there's this project from Netflix with David Lynch, you know, the fact that it's got a start time would probably be a very good sign, uh, mm. typically. Um, yeah, so that, that's where this all comes from. It comes from production completely. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so... Okay. Uh, it, you know it's exciting and it's exciting kind of no matter what it is honestly uh as a fan of his work and uh given we'll probably that... see it in about three years time why would you say why would you say that i'm, I'm just he's, he's a perfectionist the shooting can take a while um i think we could see it as early as next year potentially i suppose it depends um i know twin peaks the return was shot quite a bit in advance of when we actually saw it but yeah um it just dep- think- it depends what it is like I, I, I mean if it's 28 or it wasn't 20 it was like 17 episodes or 18 episodes twin peaks return if it's that yes. long and sure maybe it will be but that, this could be six episodes it could be it, it could i think uh, my expectations right now are probably realistically uh sometime spring summer 2022 that seems a comedian expectation yeah. uh it's uh Yes, he did. notably, notably, uh, back in July, he said he had things coming, and the only reason why this this is stuck out in my mind or stuck out to my eye here is I'm looking at this article, uh, which is not usually I get most things from Dead Deadline. This is from IndieWire. This particular article, uh, he said in an interview with the Daily Beast back in July that he's got some stuff coming up that would maybe take some time away from his other things that he does, such as his YouTube channel. If no one knows this, he's, oh, oh, yes. uh, every day he gives the weather report in LA just cause just because he feels like t- telling people Be- the weather because is. david lynch he, he looks out the window and says it's kind of sunny today it's kind of brilliant <laughs> it's the most david lynch hey i would you know we're joking about this being connected to twin peaks i wouldn't be like i could see this be completely standalone i could also see this be his end game thing that somehow connects every single movie and tv show he's ever been involved in into I, one I cohesive do think universe he is he is one of those creators <laughs> that has that like you know like stephen king has dark yeah, tower yeah, yeah uh brand sanderson has the the way of kings stuff that's going on now like you know th- those big things that connect all their universes that all of a sudden it's all one big thing uh, he-, he does seem the type of dude who has one of those in him and, and genuinely the part of me thought twin peaks to return may be the last thing we ever see from so i'm actually ecstatic there's at least one more we're getting one mm. more tara before he maybe retires because you know he's an old dude now so uh you know ultimately but even with this in the bank you know potentially you know the list of work that he's done over his career isn't that long in, in terms of like individual projects so each one feels quite special and i, I you know I'm, I'm looking forward to this existing whatever it may be and i'm sure mm-hmm. no matter what we predict it could be once we start getting details much like twin peaks to return and everything else he's ever made within minutes of starting whatever it is we're going to realize no we could never have predicted what this is this is a new thing that he's doing because <laughs> he always does something that's unique to himself and there is almost no point in trying to no. predict what this man will do next because no one on earth understands his brain. Praise Diggy. <laughs> Thank Diggy. All right, so, so I need some other stuff. But this is also a pretty big thing. Uh, the Expanse has been renewed for season six. Good news. Great news. Yep. Uh, season five is obviously coming in two-ish weeks, I think. Yeah, yeah, they were just about to have that on December 16th, so that's kind of a, a, an early Christmas treat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is going to be weekly, uh, although I think the first three are coming out the first week, but after that, it's yeah, weekly. Yeah. 
Um, but the other news that comes along with this is that season six will be the final season. And this is a little surprising just because the books, I think it's the ninth book that's about to come out, uh, give or take, that is going to be the final book. So, and the, the seasons for the more or less, I mean, they varied a little bit earlier on, but they kind of lined up in the last couple where the, the fourth season was the fourth book. Yeah. And, you know, season five presumably is more or less going to be the fifth book. Um, season six you would I thought before would be the sixth book but now that that's going to be the last season uh, it's like oh well maybe they'll carry some things I forward it's it's possible because from what i know which is very little i i've intentionally avoided looking at you know the books. what the books are yeah, doing yeah, yeah. Uh, from what i know just in passing there is a reasonably significant time jump after book six um, and oh interesting for the, for the rest do you think um, do you think they could maybe actually they're still technically going to do it but it's like a spin-off and use the time I, jump as a there's a reason for a know. new title. I don't know. That feels a bit bit much. It's just you saying that makes me think of that. If, if it's such a separate thing, maybe they're hoping that they can sort of... Uh, yeah, I mean, again, I haven't read them. I, I've intentionally avoided as much information as I can, so I don't know you know, how neat a yeah, bow yeah. ends with six and then there's a time jump, or if the time jump is just... No, it's a really just neat part of the story. Uh, and I, I don't want people to tell us, because I don't, I don't want spoilers, of course, but... Um, I think either way, the good news here is that they know before they even start shooting season six and presumably early in the writing process, they know this is their final season. It's also worth mentioning that the people who write the books are heavily involved in the writing of the show. So this, you know, it's it's not a Game of Thrones situation where you've got the writers of HBO going, oh shit, we have to come up with an ending because George is sunbathing. Yeah, he's, he's off doing something else. Like they're heavily involved, so he, he's off laughing at them, rolling in the money. <laughs> so you know, I, I'm confident they'll they'll have something that's a satisfying ending, and um, whether that means kind of ending early, where this maybe there is kind of a neat bow to end it in earlier on in the story, or whether it is something maybe loftier where they do plan to have like a sort of almost reignite it and sort of be able to, because if they can promote something as a new show. Even if it's connected, but it's separate enough that they can say, hey, this is a new show. It's set in the Expanse universe, but it's yeah, a new and, thing. And of course, there is the, the complete third option where they just... Because obviously they know all the key important beats. Yes. They know what's the most important things uh, as as the, you know, the, the original writers. They might be able to transplant those details and rework them yes. into a final season in some way or another. Because, you know, we, we know that Bezos is a big fan of the show, so... Part of me would think that okay, maybe it's it's not necessarily performing well enough for to justify them actually spending money on like several more seasons, and that's why he kind of has to accept that they're going to have to just sort of wrap it up a bit earlier. But you know, give them the the chance to do it properly with some creative control, or um, you know, there is some sort of plan for more. I will say this: if there is nothing else, if if this is the final season, a they've got time to actually rate it properly and give it a conclusion, and b it does mean that when I eventually dig into the books i'll actually i'll have something to look forward to in the sense that there'll be some material that is new and exciting and different and can add more to it in the last chunk specifically so yeah. that that's a neat idea of that that's it i'll give them a bit of time to announce another show i won't i won't jump straight and i'll no John, you know you, you kind of mentioned this here this idea of another show and it's so shocking to me now that you mention it that no streaming service has really done this like don't get me wrong they've picked up other shows and revived yeah. them but uh, we know, as a rule, streaming services after two or three uh, streaming shows after two or three seasons, they have such diminishing returns, right? That it's kind yeah. of not worth it because um, the interest kind of drops off and whatever. 
But if you rebrand it as a as a new show rather than just a season, I wonder how many people that would get back on board. Yeah, or at least drum up enough interest so that people who didn't check it out go, oh, hey, I'm like, this looks good. Oh, by the way, there's technically like a previous show that leads into it if you want to check that out. Oh, it's all here. You can just go watch it. Like, there, there's, yeah. there's, there's a, I, can, I can see an argument for doing something like that if, if that's where they're going to go with it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm even thinking of things that are like more closer connect, like uh, shows such as um, Avatar Last Airbender and then Legend of Korra, which is set like, I don't know, a hundred or so years apart, but there's like really cl- clear links between the shows. It is very much a sequel. Uh, some shared characters, a lot of shared ideas and themes. So it's like, okay, I- I'm surprised we haven't seen any streaming services attempt something like that. Yeah, I, I, I think there's potential here. And I'm not necessarily, maybe that's, it's partially wishful thinking, I guess, but it's just because the way you said that there's, there's a time jump that I'm like, well, maybe they, if they rebrand it a little bit and like present it as something you can jump onto there uh, as a way to kind of like drum up interest in it again that feels a bit fresher than just here's season seven of a show. Um, maybe that's a way of like, you know, instead of having nine seasons of a show somewhere on Netflix or something like that, you have three seasons or three shows of three seasons that are all connected. It's and- it's kind of like how in in comics sometimes they'll do like yeah, a, yeah. a twelve issue run and then the exact same team, same writer and artist will you know will rebrand and do launch a whole new number one and do another twelve issue run because it gets more people on board. I, I, I get, it's a weird way of phrasing it, but. It's essentially doing a sequel to a TV show. So you have like several seasons of a show and then you say, here's the sequel show, which also gets several seasons. And it's like, why isn't there just one big show? Well, just cause. <laughs> That's just how it is. Yeah, you, they generally have to come up with some justification, right? As to yes. why this is different. Um, I mean, if the time jump brings in a lot of new characters, for example, then that would be, you know, it's like, okay, there's a new lead or there's several new mm. leads or something. Like, there, there could be reasons to justify it. And, and given that this show is about the expanse and what, what it's poking at, you know, in seasons three and four, like, you know, I, I could see it being pretty different after a time jump, given what they might be finding and what they're contacting and, you know, where, where things are going. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of potential there. But uh, it is worth mentioning that uh, Cass Anver, who was uh, accused of several instances of sexual misconduct uh, during the summer. Uh, they'd already filmed season five, so he is in season five. The season that's launching in a couple of weeks, he is already, his character Alex is already in that season, uh, but he will not be returning for season six. Uh, they've taken that step. Uh, I, I suggest they maybe alter slightly his appearance in season five, either maybe tone it down a little bit in editing, or at the very least uh, not focus on him as much, but yeah, they've got enough time in the editing to do that, especially yeah. with it being mostly weekly. Um, I'm, I'm sure they'll manage. I suspect yeah. most of the editing is already done anyway. <laughs> it it probably point. is, but if they if if after this was official, because obviously internally the, there was an investigation, that's what this came about, the result of. Uh, they probably knew the result of this investigation earlier than you know they're telling us now because they wanted to put they put this with the same announcement. But. You know, if if for whatever reason they didn't have the editing finished or they want to redo things now to, to change it, they've they got plenty of time. Yeah, so uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and, you know, a uh, showrunner who's been around is, is back as well. So, that, you know, it's all good news otherwise, other than the fact that it's maybe ending. And it's hard to feel too sad about this because, A, they know it's ending. It's not a sudden thing where, oh, we don't know, like, oh, we're going to have all these cliffhangers that are unresolved. But also just the fact that we got literally twice as many seasons because it moved to Amazon. Because this is the weird thing. We've not even had season five yet, so we still have two full seasons of this show to watch. We're, we're not even close to actually being finished. It's just we now know it's ending 
with season six. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fine. And and you know the, the writers on Twitter themselves were going, look, hey, we got six seasons of a TV show at this sort of level of quality. We're pretty happy, and yeah. I, I get that. Six seasons is is nothing to sniff at. Six seasons in a movie. Hashtag it. the movie come on come on amazon you cowards uh but I, i'll be fascinated to see if there is some kind of internal plan for something after whether that's you know a show that's technically a spin-off or, or even just some amazon movies or something i don't know maybe maybe the later books lend themselves more to two-hour movies than they do seasons i have no idea who knows yeah uh but yeah so that's that news uh so all the things that have ended uh this one is <sighs> I saw this coming a mail away. It's, a, it's kind of a shame because I, I somewhat enjoyed the show, but Utopia has been cancelled after one season at Amazon. Um, basically, the subject matter made me just assume that it was not going to be renewed just because they probably thought, ah, people don't want to watch a show about pandemic conspiracies right now. It's just not anything that anyone's into. Yeah, so, me included. Uh, there it is. I, I mean, I didn't really give a shit when I was watching it. But uh, I will say this, the finale had like five cliffhangers, so <laughs> it's a little bit funny. Well, you've got a, a whole original show to go dive back into and see if they have a, anything better for you. Well, they'll go past that point, but they, they also didn't have an ending. They got cancelled well, no, before the story finished. You, you might have a bit better. Uh, so that's that done. Uh, and then speaking of things ending, this one kind of... Surprising as well as Black Lightning is now ending with its fourth season. That's the upcoming season it's got. Uh, on the CW, so uh, four seasons is definitely shorter for a for a CW show. It is, I think, if I recall, that one doesn't shoot in Vancouver though, does it? That shoots elsewhere. Uh, it shoots in Atlanta, but so does Star Girl and the. Uh... Right, uh, I was just wondering if it had a you know current world situation had maybe had some impact on this. No, I think a lot of shows still shoot there because they have good uh, yeah tax credits or whatever. It is, they do, but, yeah. Um. No, it's uh, it's ending. Uh, now they are looking at a spin-off called Painkiller, which we talked about uh, last week or so. Maybe that's their way of kind of trying to carry it on, um, mm. in some some form. Uh, now they know it's they know it's ending, of course, so they can give it a proper ending. But I think more than anything, what this says to me, or what this makes me think, is I'm looking at the the CW verse as a whole, and I'm like, Supergirl's ending, Black Lightning's ending, uh, Superman and Lois is starting. Uh, how much left does Flash and Legends have at this point? I I will. I don't think it's ending though. The the CW the you know the the CW shows in general. I think we'll be getting you know you know Lois and Superman's just starting. I can see them. Okay, now they've filled up, cleared out some space. They'll go back and pick up uh, the Canaries. Ah, uh, maybe. Um, it, it's it's just kind of weird how different it's going to look and. It's just funny how they spent the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was the last thing we watched from any of these shows, ended with the formation of their Justice League with all of these characters, and like half of that team is going to be gone by the end of next season. Like they're all mm. like they spent so much time building to the idea of them forming a Justice League, and you know Supergirl is going to be gone. The Batwoman they had is gone. I mean, there's a new Batwoman, but the Batwoman that was there is gone. Um, Black Lightning is going to be gone. Uh, it's just kind of funny. It's, that... it's in a way that could be really interesting from like a crossover storytelling perspective of kind of you know them being the second generation heroes for a lot of them. I um, appreciate that thought, but I don't necessarily feel like that's as exciting when the first generation don't actually get a chance to, got be to do a, anything. Yeah, be I, I know. It, it's one of these things where the real world idea of running several TV shows gets in the way of 
just like how comic book characters are supposed to work and like last for such a long time it's uh, no i agree but it's one of those things where i'm like i don't i can't really hold it against them too much because that is a lot of effort to coordinate on a tv show it is but part of me does think well can't you have like gotten there like a couple of seasons earlier so you could have had a couple of seasons where all of this original team were during crossovers mm-hmm. at least you know coming together and saving the world and, and doing stuff um there, there it was almost like for a few seasons that they, they were terrified of doing the big storylines and it wasn't until crisis in the year before with uh you know the, the book and all that that they actually started really saying oh let's just use the big stories let's actually do the, the yeah big it's, it's one of those things where even without it being official and the, the the full like you know the hall of justice at the end of that last one it still felt like a justice league crossovers for some of them uh some of the bigger ones mm. before that so it's not like there was nothing it, you know that feels a little bit harsh guard they, they never did anything as a team it's like not as an official team no but no, I mean, you know don't get me wrong most of those shows had a lot more problems individually just week to week than anything that i'm talking about now i'm just mm. talking about the, the the concept of this on its own uh what's up next here uh, apple tv plus has revealed the uh the premiere date here for for all mankind season two i thought i'd mention this since it was one of the more interesting uh, apple plus tv shows um where is it it's uh premieres friday february 19th so we're get, starting to get dates for february now uh, just to give you a, mm. an idea of where the news has fallen in line uh so so neat thought i'd mention that for people who are interested um some Stranger Things cast additions for season four. There's a bunch of names here, and honestly, I'd have just left this out, except one of them is a horror fan. I, I kind of, you know. Go on. Robert Englund's going to be in it. Robert Englund's in season oh, four. Oh, I did see this, yeah. Freddy Krueger okay. is in season four of Stranger Things. Um, is there going to be some sort of joke or dream-related plot involving Freddy Krueger? We'll find out. If he's like a... Jo- joke, yes. Reference, absolutely plot maybe not it depends if someone has to go in for like sleep paralysis sleep treatment or something and he's like a doctor who's doing it i'll be like ah, i see what you're doing yeah <laughs> I see what you're doing i mean who knows who knows and there may even be like ex- descriptions here for all of them i don't know but um yeah oh here we go recurring uh actor robert england will play victor creel a disturbed and intimidating man okay so we're going dark with him we're, we're going creepy who is imprisoned in a psychiatric hospital for a gruesome murder in the 1950s. I mean, I'm not actually getting Freddy Krueger from that, but I do like the sound of it. It, it sounds like exactly the sort of role he can play. It does, yes. He's, he's good at that sort of thing. Uh, so that is that. Uh, next up, we have some unfortunate news for HBO's The Nevers, the Joss Whedon show, which is no longer a Joss Whedon show. Um... I mean, I mean, he developed it still, so the idea still came from him largely, but he is no longer going to be showrunning or directing. He is stepping away. Um, the actual reasoning here is basically just him saying that he, ah, it was a lot of stress right now and he's leaving it. I imagine that's probably somewhat connected to the fact that he was recently investigated uh, for... What was the exact... I don't know what Missed the exact... An- inappropriate... Fr- conduct on set or something i don't know maybe and that was by warner right it was although warner brothers were warner brothers kind of were on his side at least at first i don't know if that's changed and this is why this is happening i wonder if this is just them saying okay well this is going on it's honestly just too much of a pain to have you involved with something we're promoting so that's what i'm thinking it might be one of those cases where they haven't finished the investigation technically that I that I know of, and yes. or even if they have and they publicly cleared him, they're like, yeah, do you know what? We we still don't really want to 
to associate with you right now just because of the public image of how it reflects on us yeah i mean it's probably more that than anything it's probably just because i i don't buy it. like because what else is he doing right now that he's too busy to make a tv show it's not like he's not done a tv show before and doesn't understand the workload or or what it is uh, maybe the pandemic no, and, slightly and this is an idea he has had for years this was this was the one this is the victorian superhero yeah. one right yeah this this was announced as a comic book like five or six years ago that's how long he's been playing with this idea yeah and it's still set to air in summer 2021 so uh it is going to be rolling ahead without him uh so i mean obviously this, this is sad in the sense if you're a whedon fan if you're a fan of his work and we're excited for a new tv show by him i mean obviously i'll still check it out and it still might be great but it's hard not to be a little disappointed by this uh it being connected to all this other stuff, though, I mean, it's it's hard to not just kind of like so go well, fair enough. Then we'll see what goes on and see see how all this. Yeah, ships they out. they might know stuff that we don't. Um, yeah, I, honestly, it's a subject I've mostly stayed away from talking about on videos and online, mainly just because people know I'm a fan of his work, and I feel like anything I say in any way, shape, or form is going to be so analyzed and so. Like, I feel less pressure to talk about it in a way that's just, I'm like, no, I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> Leave me alone. Go no, away. I get it. I mean, at, at the end of the day, we don't have the details. We, you know, it's 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 basically he said, she said, right? As far as we know. But I, see, I, I mean, I don't think uh, the, the, the investigation itself is, is not really something that, I mean, not just because it's a movie thing, but just because I, I don't necessarily know and, until there's actually some sort of determination on it. I, I don't think there's much for us to really say about it. And I, I don't really feel comfortable talking about it. Uh, just because I know people know I'm a fan of his work and anything I say that is, is either defensive sounding or condemning sounding will be taken to an extreme <laughs> in either context and I just don't want to open that can of worms. So uh, we'll move on then though. Uh, we'll move on to uh, Terrence Winters uh, exited the Batman show. This is the, the Batman like tie-in show. The, the one mm. that's based on the, the corrupt cop who might have a sort of like heroic kind of like redemption arc uh but this is the one that ties into the movie that's being produced by matt reeves uh terence winters stepped away for, as showrunner and has cited creative differences as the reasons for this which is the juiciest of all reasons that someone can give is it always is isn't it uh, i mean outside of like i don't know like I, I had an affair with the producer's wife and now there's like a you're, blood feud. you're just described in christian stewart <laughs> am i yeah, with the uh, the Huntsman movie. Oh, yeah, it, was, it was a whole thing. It, it was I, I, a whole thing. I remember that you've said it, but yeah, because I'm I'm thinking about the Huntsman sequel movie. <laughs> I'm never thinking about it either. But as soon as you started describing that scenario, now I'm like, yeah, that rings a bell. Jesus Christ! All right, so <laughs> now obviously we're looking forward to the Batman. Well, I'm looking forward to the Batman movie. Trailer was pretty good. No, I like Matt I Reeves am too. as a filmmaker. Um, I think it's interesting though that. This is an example, maybe, of something being a tie-in to a movie of the... You know, it's kind of like some of the grown pains that Marvel had, where some... You know, Edgar Wright being the most famous one from Ant-Man. Yes, didn't where, have the free reign that he felt like he needed. Yeah, so where a, a creator is part of a shared universe in some capacity, and it ends up being more of a hindrance because they're more... Maybe an auteur is a bit of an extreme word here, but... Where... They ultimately can't agree on something because they don't agree on the thing that then they'd have to sort of separate more from the the core idea. Which in this case is the movie. Like you know, this is obviously the show has to adhere to the Batman because that's the thing that it's spinning out of. Uh, so uh, interesting. Uh, I mean, obviously, 
it's early enough they'll just get a new showrunner I don't, I don't expect that this is going to have too much of a hindrance on the actual finished product uh and no um we'll see. And, and it's not even like it'll be that different a product because if he'd never got removed the reality is it was oh, i said removed or left the, the reality is it's because he'll have caved and done whatever you know the studio wanted him to do and made that show uh mm. otherwise you know he'd still be working uh so in reality it's probably going to be a still a fairly similar show to what we would have got if he'd stayed uh, next up, Snip Dog is going to advice and executive produce an animated comedy for Amazon with Vince Vaughn also executive producing. Is he going by Snip Dog again now? I don't know. It says Snip Dog here. Why? What does he have to go by otherwise? I don't know. He changed his name for a while. He was just Snoop. He was Snoop Lion for a bit. He's been all sorts over the last like, handful of years. I'll take your word for it. Uh, so this is called Oaklandia, which is written by Daniel Dominguez. Uh, head writer and executive producer uh, from season two of HBO Max's Michael B. Jordan animated series Genlock. It's another animated show. Uh, <laughs> so it's set in Oakland, California, which is probably obvious given the title. Um, and that's basically it. There's no actual uh, plot description. <laughs> Snip Dog in Oakland, California. That's your, your whole whack. Sure. And yeah. Vince Vaughn's uh, producing too. Why not? Do you know? Maybe it's just because I've been paying too much attention to video game things. But in this picture, Vince Vaughn looks a lot like a, a chiseled Phil Spencer. Uh, like Phil Spencer, who's been through some shit. <laughs> I, my mental image of Vince Vaughn clearly needs updating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying he always does, but uh, I'm I'm getting a sense of it here. Anyway, um, moving on, we have a dream musical comedy in the works at NBC. Uh, Glee alumna Amber Riley is returning to television as the star of another music-driven broadcast comedy series. Uh, she's going to headline and co-executive produce a show called Dream, a single-camera comedy in development at NBC from writer-producer Lisa Muse-Bryant, uh, who worked on Blackish, and producer Neil Merrin. So... In Dream, when her son graduates from college, former teen mum Dream Morgan turns her life upside down I, I, I don't don't say that because all, all, all i'm thinking about those the fill uh, the fresh prince lyrics yep that's all i'm thinking about <laughs> i almost said put you, in, put you in the mood hey look it, it, it's a musical just think think of a nice cool song I, I i almost said philadelphia there because it says philadelphia in the song philadelphia has nothing to do with what we're talking about but i just i almost said philadelphia because i could all i could think of was <laughs> my life got flipped turned upside down West Philadelphia, born and raised. I, I, it's hard. Don't do it. Anyway, her uh, life turns upside down to pursue her dream of becoming a singer. Uh, there's a lot of shows where a single parent, or a young parent, will finally like be able to like have a second chance at life because their kids like you know college age and they'll they'll then do something yeah. different. Uh, that's the premise of a lot of shows, both comedy and drama, uh, on network TV. Most of them aren't musicals, though. To be fair. Well, that gives us a different spin. Yes. Yeah. The, the only other, I mean, obviously they mentioned Glee there, but that's not. A- comedy really um the only other actual comedy musical i can think of in recent years is the the one that cw had um uh i can't remember the name of it crazy ex-girlfriend yeah i think that's the one yeah yeah um that was an actual comedy length one i think Hmm. um all right next up abc is given a straight to series order to a multi-camera comedy starring an executive produced by alec baldwin and kelsey Grammer. what a pair i've been uh, it's slated for the 2021 to 2022 season and comes from Modern Family co-creator executive producer Chris Lloyd 
um, who I think also worked on Frasier, I want to say. I want to say I saw his name as a producer on that show, because I've seen that show I'll quite a bit. I'll take a for it. Um, but uh, written by Lloyd and uh, Valley Chandraskaran, that's a big long name with a lot of syllables, uh, the untitled Alex Baldwin Kelsey Grammar Project, catchy, catchy working title there, uh, follows three men, two of them are of course those two, yeah. uh, who are roommates in their 20s, until their warring egos drove them apart. They reunite decades later for one more run at the lives they've always wanted. Okay, a bunch of friends get together again after decades that, of that failed lives. That third casting has a lot to live up to. <laughs> I know, it's Baldwin. <laughs> it's Alec Baldwin and Fraser Crane. Who's this the third one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you got to have a third person in that age range. Uh, uh, I don't know. Um, I can't even think of any off the top of my head. <laughs> Uh, what's your face? Uh, Zac Efron, maybe? I don't know. Maybe he'd fit in. Um, <laughs> I'm not even going there. The long silence is to let the awkward joke land. All right. Felicity Hoffman is returning to acting. If you if you weren't aware, Felicity Hoffman was in a bit of legal trouble uh, about a year and a half ago due to a college admission scandal. Oh, I remember. Yes. Yes. Uh, so this is her first returning role to something. Uh, this is ABC. It's a single camera comedy that's got a pilot production commitment. Uh, Peanut Butter Falcons, Zach uh, Gottsagen, sorry, uh, co-stars. And it comes from Aaron Kaplan's Capital Entertainment. I'd say it's been a while, but it probably hasn't. We did like a ding that goes off every time Capital Entertainment comes up. Just a little counter in the corner. <laughs> uh, written by Becky Hartman Edwards, the untitled comedy is inspired by Susan Savage, a real-life owner of a AAA baseball team in the Sacramento River, uh, called the Sacramento River Cats. It marks the first project Hoffman's taken uh, since the whole scandal thing. Yeah, a funny, surprising, and occasionally heartbreaking half hour about love, loss, family, and AAA baseball. The project stars Hoffman as the unlikely owner of a minor league baseball team. After suddenly losing her husband and inheriting his beloved team, she is forced to navigate her new normal with the help of her dysfunctional family, including her oldest son, a baseball devotee with Down syndrome, her work family, and her Sacramento community at large. This is the story of a woman navigating grief, local politics, and the business of sports, and learning not to just adjust, but to thrive. I feel like... Personal and professional was sprinkled throughout that in a number of different it, ways. It was, but there needs to be a, a point where you go, aha, okay. they did it. There's definitely a lot of it in there, though. There's a lot of it There is. It's kind of like woven throughout, but there's no key point where I go, ah, okay. they're, they're doing it. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Jamel Hill is moving into scripted TV. She's a ESPN presenter. Uh I wonder if this will be sports-related. Well, I don't know in advance. We'll find out. You, you want me to care about something else that, that I'm just not going to? <laughs> so she's teaming up with Gabriel Union to develop a half-hour comedy series for Showtime uh, about black women with financial independence. It's called New Money, and it's based on a story from Hill and the undefeated journalist Kelly Carr. Yeah, da, 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 da. The show doesn't sound very spoy. No, it doesn't, does it? The show is centered around black women who have solidified their careers, achieved financial independence, and moved past the awkwardness and money struggles of their 20s. Now, firmly in their 30s, the ladies must deal with the repercussions of the new money, which brings in 
uh, hanger-ons, false friends, unwanted media attention, and greedy relatives, while also navigating the treacherous world of dating. Oh, okay, that one I'll give you. <laughs> yeah, no, no arguments on that one. <laughs> the treacherous world of dating. Breaking um, out the good stuff. And by good stuff, I just mean Jameson. So, you know. Okay, that means nothing to me. Um, it's pretty cheap. Hulu is developing a half-hour comedy, dramedy, sorry, it's a dramedy, yes, dramedy, in the world of technology and dating, based on the New Yorker short story from Kate Folk. Uh, the author is writing the series with uh, Catastrophe co-creator Sharon Horgan, with Modern Family's Jason Weiner as executive producer. It's called Out There, um, and it's developing with 20th Television. Again. Ugh. And not saying 20th century television just feels weird. Just call it 20th century television. It feels petty. <laughs> yeah. It tells the story of Meg, a lonely and single woman in San Francisco who thinks she's found the rarest of unicorns in Roger, a disarmingly handsome, attentive and empathetic man. But she'll soon discover that he's a blot, a fake man programmed to steal her identity, ruin her reputation and destroy her life. I was, I was banking on serial killer, but I mean, yeah. close enough. The kick is a lie, ultimately, I think, is the point there. Is Pretty much. Uh, before we vote to the, uh, the dramas here, I'll take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Born Now, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams, and David Brown. They are Patreon producers for the month. Um, we're actually recording this in the very last day of November, so these may actually be different tomorrow by the time this goes up, but as of right now, that's the Patreon producers. Uh, so you can, of course, support us over at patreon.com slash TV for as little as $1 per month and get access to some bonus content. The producers, of course, are up at a $20 tier or more, uh, but there's various things to get. You can also support us uh, with no monies by simply hitting the like button on YouTube, uh, subscribing, commenting, all those things. They help out a lot. They let YouTube recommend us out a little bit more. Also, rating the podcast uh, on iTunes or wherever you get the podcast from. Five stars with a little review. All of these things do help a bunch, so if you do enjoy the content and want to keep coming and encourage us to make more with great success. Great success! That's, that was a bad Borat voice, but... Uh, that was terrible, if that was what it was supposed to be. Great success! Oh, I need something else. Uh, half half. Okay, that's my Borat voice. I may not be a good Borat voice, but that's my Borat voice. It's better. <laughs> I have a chair, I have a chair, king of the castle, I have a chair. Right. Uh, just find it, okay? There you go. Thank you to our patrons. Yeah, love you loads. Um, okay. So first up then here, we have something fairly meaty. Uh, nothing new in terms of this existing, but it's officially been ordered, and that is The Last of Us. It's been ordered by HBO to series, uh, with Neil Druckmann, who is the creator of the games, uh, working alongside Craig Mazin, who worked on the Chernobyl series, as well as the classic science fiction comedy Rocket Man. Uh, so <laughs> he's on board. Um, is that true? It's true. It's a really, really dumb nineties comedy, which uh, when Chernobyl was big and like obviously getting a lot of award praise, and you know everyone was loving it. It was really funny to point out that this guy has made some of the, the weirdest and shittiest comedies of ever, ever, but all of a sudden is doing Emmy award-winning TV. It's, it's very odd. Um, but he's working on Last of Us, and given that it is in a post-apocalyptic world, I can see how the Chernobyl <laughs> feel might <laughs> lead into it. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, and it is going to follow the plot of the game, at least in basic premise. You know, it mentions Ellie and Joel in the description, so... Um, yeah, we've 
kind of spoken about this before, haven't we? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh... It's it's hard for me to actually be that excited about this because, I mean, it's a great story, but I have played it. I don't know if I need to watch the same story with different actors, and I am one of the only people on Earth who did not enjoy the direction in Chernobyl. Uh, it, it did not work for me. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, Craig Mason's not the director, though. Is he, is he the writer? Yeah, he's the showrunner. He's the writer. Okay. Yeah. okay. Uh, I can't remember. It's been ages. I mean, you're, you're absolutely mad because the direction that first episode of Chernobyl you watched was 10 out of 10 immaculate. It was absolutely That's tremendous. what everyone seems to think. Uh, I, I, I get that I'm the outlier. Uh, I'm not arguing that. It's what everyone knows. <laughs> sure. But it didn't work for me, and that's all that matters when it comes to my opinion. Uh, you, so it's, you... it's hard to get excited about this. It's still low. Because like I say, you know, I, it, I, I've played this game. I, it, it's a great story, but I, I could just play the game again. Your opinion's got the stench of leprosy. All right, moving on <laughs> to the next thing. So that's how I know we are. So I, I, I probably should have brought this up earlier in, in a way when we're talking about the CW uh, DC shows because we've got a new one to talk about here. And this one is, I think, I mean, as far as I know, out of nowhere, and I did not see this coming. So... Greg Berlanti, of course, because why else Naturally. would it be, uh, is working with CW. They are developing a superhero TV show. <laughs> I was going to say, it's going to cost them a small fortune to develop an actual superhero. And it's Wonder Girl. But here's the interesting thing. It's the new character who's just about to debut in uh, the next yes. couple of months. This is... Uh, yeah, Yara Floor is the new. She's like the future, the Wonder Woman of the future, and like an upcoming sort of like alternate future event that's happening over the course of January and February. But she's a brand new character, and we have a TV show in development before she's even launched. And this is like a hell of a a, a gambit of, of synergy. And if if she's a good character, if she's liked, if she sort of hits off, then this could actually be a stroke of genius. If she it's just kind of whatever, then it may feel kind of floundering, but... I think this is how you turn a new character. Because, uh, I mean, I think it was on uh, the last episode of Curse of the Multiverse when we were discussing the, the, the new Suicide Squad book, mm -hmm. how hard it is to get new characters and make us, you know, care about them long term. Uh, you know, y y most attempts at new characters over the past two decades are just kind of, eh, okay. And then the character's forgotten about. You, you slap a new character like this and give them a relatively major sized tv show that will probably get at least a couple of seasons you pretty much cement that that character exists immediately yeah yeah uh it's very interesting uh and i was surprised when i read this here's the description there wonder girl centers on yara floor a latina dreamer who was born of an amazonian warrior and a brazilian river god she learns that she's wonder girl with her newfound power she must fight the evil forces that would seek to destroy the world so i mean the actual you know but i mean i didn't know she was the a Brazilian River God kid. Like, that's news to me because the character's not debuted yet. I've not read anything about it yet. Yeah, I, I don't know either. It's actually quite, <laughs> quite exciting. I don't I don't know anything about Brazilian River Gods, but I'm intrigued as, as someone who's a fan of various mythologies. Yeah. Uh, so it's coming from Queen of the South, executive producer, co-showrunner, uh, Dalian Rodriguez. So that's probably going to be the showrunner on the show itself. Um, what's so weird about this though? It says here, the network is developing Wonder Girl, a drama series based on the DC character created by Joelle Jones. I'm like, well, yeah, I guess technically she did create her because she's writing the two-issue book that stars her in the next couple of months. Yeah. But it's yeah, just it's her original character. It's just so weird though, because like, we don't even have the book yet. I, I don't know. It's just boggling it's, my mind. It's going to put a lot of 
I know this is more about the comic than the book, but there's, yeah. there's going to put a lot of expectation on that comic when it comes out now, where it's like, oh, okay, this, yeah, this is this is kind of a pre-pilot. This is a proof of concept for a TV show when we're reading that, even though I'm sure that's not how Joel Jones was thinking about it when she was writing and drawing it. I'm sure she was just trying to make a comic. Yeah, but it's... it kind of in our minds is going to be a proof of concept for a TV show. I mean, it's it's something inevitable for a lot of comic creators that eventually some of their work, either their own original characters, but or more likely a story they did for a big character, will eventually be adapted into a movie or a TV show. I can't imagine what goes through Jill Jones's mind when she finds out that a character that's not even been published yet, <laughs> that she's just w- literally worked on over the last couple of months, has already got a TV show uh, in the works. I, I have to imagine she's she's rubbing her hands and going, oh, think of all the royalties. Because <laughs> uh, DC, from what I know, are pretty good at actually paying creators royalties when their works are adapted to screen. Uh, mm. From what I know, they're a lot better than Marvel at that. Okay. Uh, does that include Alan Moore? Uh, I think he does still get paid quite okay. a bit for it, yeah. Uh, uh, I, said, I said Alan Moore there, not Moore, but we'll just uh, we'll roll past that. that was we, a slip, we, slip we know you meant. Uh, next up. Next up. Uh, so Alicia Vikander is producing and possibly starring in uh, uh, an adaptation in the works at MGM and UA, that's United Artists TV, uh, an adaptation of Hitchcock's Dial M for Murder uh, as a limited Ooh, okay. series, yeah. Uh, and I like Vikander as well. I like Hitchcock. And, I like that movie. So, and I'm very glad they said limited series. Oh, of course, yeah. That's, that's something that could last forever. But what? yeah, it's like a six or eight episode thing. Maybe you know, you could see this being potentially great. Yeah. Uh, so the movie came out. Um, well, I mean, it was a play first. I should mention that it was it was a play in 1952. The movie came out in 1954. So that was a quick turnaround where Hitchcock saw this play and went, "I'm doing this." <laughs> Essentially, it's like, it's like, "Hey, I got this." And I, I wonder if he went out and like you know bought all the tickets so no one could see the play because he did that with psycho he, he made these people go buy all the book so that no one could read the book before the movie came out is it going buy all the <laughs> he copies was... he could find <laughs> now, now that is standard dick <laughs> so this is my my twist to reveal not the books <laughs> yeah screw you original author i'm doing this hey to be fair though if all the copies were purchased and that author still benefit raking it in yeah he still sold all of his copies and i can only imagine more copies were ordered after the movie came out and and presumably you you have to imagine that i mean there were definitely some people who watched the movie and went huh this is based on a book i'm gonna go and read that book yeah so it seems like a dickish move it looks almost like a reflex face value but when you actually stop and think about it no one's a loser no one's losing in the long term no No, no. The people who are losers are the consumers who wanted to buy the book at the start, who wanted to read it. Ah, because not like there was a message board saying, hey, this book's good, just check it out in 1952. There were still reviews in the newspaper. <laughs> you said that as if like, a newspaper's an alien thing, like you've never looked at one. So you've heard of a newspaper, but you've never actually seen one in the way. I've never read a review in a newspaper. <laughs> in a newspaper? <laughs> I I know there were reviews in newspapers and still are, but they, now they just tend to publish them online. I just read them on there. So, you know. I'm going to read the description here just for everyone who doesn't know what Dial M for Murder is, which is a great title, by the way. I love that title. Mm. Um, the original Dial M for Murder centers on a retired tennis champion played in the movie by Ray Milland, who discovers that his wife, Kelly has had an affair, uh, Kelly being the actress, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> um, has had an affair and hires an acquaintance to murder her. When the plan backfires and the wife kills her assassin, her husband frames her for the man's murder uh, with his elaborate plot only uncovered with the help of his wife's lover, 
hours before she was to be executed after being sentenced to death. So it's a very, and I, you know, I suppose as I watched the movie, but just reading that description again, yeah, there's, there's very much like a, Mark, it's not a comedy, it's, a, it's definitely a thriller, but there's almost like the way it flips when like the, the assassins try to kill her and it ends up turning into her killing him. There is definitely a lot of fun it's to like be had in that premise. dark irony to it. Yeah. Uh, so, and I like Vikander, so. I do too, I think she's very good. And we're still apparently getting that Tomb Raider sequel, which I, I you know, I'll believe it Did when I see it. Did that not get recancelled recently due it, to all the pandemic? It wasn't recancelled. I think uh, it got pushed back again or something like that. Uh, I thought it was like delayed indefinitely or something. Uh, delayed, but um, it's still technically on the on the docket. Okay. But we'll, we'll see. We'll maybe see it one day. But yeah, so that's Dial M for Murder, so that could be a cool uh, mini somewhere. Uh, next up... Gugu Mavatha-Raw, who have seen a bunch of things. Uh, Black Mirror. Someone else who I also like a lot. Notably. Uh, she was recently on The Morning Show, which is one of Apple TV Plus's shows, which is relevant here because she's now leading another Apple TV Plus show. Mm. A new psychological thriller coming from the High Fidelity co-creator and executive producer Veronica West. Uh, I wonder if there's to Frank West of Dead Rising fame. I'd be a bit love to know. Uh, he's covered wars, you know. Um... Keep it moving. I know you don't get it, but people out there who like Dead Rising were cackling at that reference. Uh, so they've given a straight-to-series order for Surface, uh, which comes from Reese Willispoon's Hello Sunshine, and obviously Apple Studios. Studios. It's an eight-part series, uh, created and written by West. Um, where are we? So I'm just looking for the description here. Um, if there is one, there may actually not be. This might be a... Well, that gives us very little to actually say about this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's not a, not a full-on description okay, so of this article. Things it has going for it, I like Gugum and Battle Roll. Things it has against it, Apple. Yeah. That's about it. I don't really know anything else to say. I've got no other information. Yeah, yeah, and actually, just to confirm this, Apple, it's, it says here, Apple did not disclose any details or a log line. So, yeah, there's officially no details. There's nothing, okay. It's a psychological thriller starring Gugu Mbatha Raw, which honestly, it might be enough to be interesting, but uh, okay. not a lot to go on as of yet. Next up, stars are developing a series inspired by extraordinary women of history. They're doing, like, uh, I think this is like an anthology style thing. With each season being a specific historical figure. Um, they're starting off with Eleanor uh, of Aquitaine. Um, from a discovery of witches writer Susie Conklin. And Playground Entertainment. Uh, as the sort of the first idea of the first season. Um, uh, they've optioned the rights to historian Alison Weir's biography. Eleanor of Aquitaine. A Life. And its companion novel Captive Queen for the first season. Uh... This I was... have some of Alison Weir's books. I haven't read any yet, but I yeah. have a couple. Uh, this character, or this historical figure, was uh, pre played by Catherine Hepburn in the 1968 film The Lion in the Winter, which I've not seen, but I mean, it's it's just a point of reference just in case anyone has seen it. Um, I can't say I know anything about this person, so <laughs> I have no idea what I, this is. The name rings a bell. I've definitely, like, if I heard some details, it would probably start coming back to me because I know I've heard this sure, somewhere. Sure. Yeah. Um... So, but, I mean, uh, that, that sounds like the sort of thing I would probably be quite interested in. Well, I'll, I'll give you here's a little bit of description here. But, oh, I mean, obviously the idea here is that each season would, you know, take another historical figure and tell their story. Yeah. Uh, Eleanor of Aquitaine was one of the great heroines of the Middle Ages, 
born in 1122 and dying in 1204. That's a, that's a good lifespan for that time period, right? Yeah, yeah. about 75. Ah, I mean, I, I expect the average life expectancy in that period to be like 28 or something like that. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, she was Queen of France and England as a result of her marriages to Louis VII of France and Henry II of England and was independently the Duchess of Aquitaine. Uh, this is why I know this. Okay, I've 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 read this uh, chunk of this in history stuff, uh, not mm-hmm. Alison Weir stuff, but I have read through uh, through Louise stuff. I've read that, uh, so that's I, that's I, why I know the name. I have to be honest. Once I start reading things like Henry the Second, I'm like I'm I'm sleeping. I am bored. I don't care what's going on anymore. Very interested in in uh, in that sort of area of history personally. Uh, I I'm. Yeah, I'm good. I'm 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 good. But uh yes. Um let's move on. HBO. Oh, this is a weird one, this actually. HBO Max has uh got the US rights to Amazon's Spanish original, uh Lageria, which is weird because you would think that Amazon would just be having this in all the the, the whole planet. Because it's an Amazon Why? show. Uh, the only thing I can imagine is Amazon think they can get more money from selling it yeah. than than what they than what the value of it drawing in new subscribers is. Okay, yeah, it's a eight part series uh, coming December eighth on HBO Max. Uh, it brings the story uh, the disappearance of a young girl who becomes the center of a police investigation into an online game that grooms men into assaulting women. Uh, so very dark uh, sort of thriller investigation mm-hmm. series, by the sounds of it. Um, but yeah, that, honestly, I may have skipped this if it wasn't for the weird part of wait, HBO Max got an Amazon show. <laughs> like what? What's going on? Yeah, like, uh, the the only thing I can imagine is uh, HBO Max paid enough that it's it's worth more to sell it for the just the upfront cost than it is as to well, we think it'll bring in this many US subscribers. Yeah. I mean, possible, but that I I also wonder if it's actually something different. I wonder if it's maybe just because it says here you know they debuted it in Latin America and Spain. Um, I wonder if this is one they don't outright own all of. This is one where it was like a co-production or something and maybe they, like, this is why it's more open. Because, you know, stuff that Amazon yeah. just internally makes or, or funds just goes straight, this is just an Amazon show and it's going to be on Amazon out all over the planet. It is. And, and we've seen this with Netflix quite a bit where they are, they can be the international distributor of something yeah. and they will call it like a, a Netflix original. Like There's tons of anime that, outside of japan are just netflix worldwide and they're like it's a netflix original it's not really though is it yeah but hey uh next up tnt are developing still a dra- making stuff yes why wouldn't it be i don't know just to cover the last time we spoke about it's not pure sir is that tnt in the end yes yeah, tnt oh, okay fair enough that's why i moved <laughs> it, well it did technically once but it moved back before oh, it there we go there's a reason why that was in my head but uh yeah developing a drama series called fire season uh written by joy blake uh from first kill fire season is about a group of strangers who are forced together in a real-time escape from a deadly wildfire um i guess someone's watching the california news and thought well we can do a survival so, tv show someone had a fun time in an escape room back in february when they could still go to escape rooms ah uh, possibly um yeah i i mean it's a it's not a lot to that description, but I mean, it does give me a sense of what the show could be. Uh, with TNT's style and like budgets, typically, I'm not. It might be okay because it sounds pretty restrictive in its environment. Mm. 
So maybe they get away with a lot on a lower budget there. Yeah. Uh, next up, ABC has given a script commitment with penalty to Waiting to Exhale, a drama series follow-up to the 1995 film uh, from Lee Daniels, who worked on Empire, 20th Television... Sorry, 20th Television... I almost said 20th Century. 20th Television, uh, where Daniels under a deal. Uh, written by Attica Locke and Tembi Locke, who are obviously, I assume, related then, given they're both the same last names, uh, and directed by Anthony Hemingway. Waiting to Exhale is infused with the humour, senselessness, uh, and sincerity of the groundbreaking and beloved original film. Now, I will caveat here and say I've never heard of this film, so I'll take their word for it that it's beloved and yep. groundbreaking, but I, I literally have never heard of this at all. What uh, was it called again? Waiting to Exhale. Exhale. <laughs> I like how you said that weird both times and then corrected yourself. I know. Waiting to Exhale, yes. I don't know why, but for some reason reading that feels weird. Anyway. Uh, TV Reimagine looks at the next generation of our women through the lens of tangled friendships and complicated lives of their daughters. So, yeah. It's, I mean, just going from the image here and what they just said there, it looks like it's a movie about four female friends. Uh, sure. Okay. So this is like a, a follow-up years later. Um, yeah, I'd never heard of it. So I have a dad, really, but fair enough. It seems like something, given ABC's typical like target audience, it feels like something up their alley. Mm. Um... Speaking of movies becoming TV shows, NBC is developing Finding Forrester, a drama series based on the 2000 film by Gus Van Sant that starred the recently late Sean Connery. Uh, this is... I, I, I mean, I've never seen it, but I believe this is where You're the Man Now, Dog comes from. I think so, yeah. I think it is. Uh, I, again, I've never seen it, but I think this is where it comes from. Uh, it comes from the shy co-executive producer TJ Brady and Rashid Newson uh, with director Tim Story. Uh... So, in the film, Black Teager, played by Rob Brown, a gifted writer and basketball player lands a scholarship to a prestigious private high school and befriends a reclusive Scottish writer, played by... Uh, <laughs> I, I almost loved that there could be like a twist there and it's just someone else, because you assume it's <laughs> going to be Sean Connery, but, but, but it is, it's Sean Connery. Uh, in the TV adaptation written by Brady and Newson, and to be directed by Story, uh, it's changing up the mentor character played in the move by Connery. The series examines the cost of success and the price of redemption through the unique bond between two gifted black writers. A homeless 16-year-old orphan who leverages his basketball skills to hustle his way into an ultra-competitive elite boarding school and a reclusive lesbian author whose career was ruined by a public scandal. Um, that sounds very different from the movie, but I've never seen the movie, so I mean, I, I, all on the idea that you've got like an older mentor and a, a younger character who's in school. Yeah, it doesn't sound... I mean, that core idea is still there, right? Yeah, so fair enough. I mean, everything comes back now. I, I, you know, every, every other TV show we talk about, oh, it's a movie from thirty and years ago. It's it's not even like they're banking on nostalgia and name value for a lot of them because mm. so many things are things you just never even heard of them. Which is almost a good thing in a weird way, like because because so, it's one of these things where you know to bring up the hit television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where no one cared about that movie, and then the TV shows where everyone knows. I mean, this could be a, this could be a thing where. Oh, the Finding Forza TV show ends up being really good and everyone loves it. And so, oh, you bit of trivia. Did you know that was a movie originally? Oh, really? Like, that, that could become that if it just happens to be good. Like, sure. You know? Uh, whereas when you do it for something like, you know, if there's a Robocop TV show, it's, like, it's always going to be Robocop. There's too much expectations. Yeah. There's too much comparison. Too, just too much weight on it. Whereas with these smaller things or less well known things, you get a bit more freedom. Uh, you know, people aren't judging you quite as harshly for any little change that you make. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, 
so there you go which takes us to our last story of the episode which is that Veronica Mars creator and that's also the same as iZombie uh, Rob Thomas is developing a new show uh, a drama project at NBC it's called Get Lucky written by Thomas and Get Lucky for the popular wedding band Get Lucky every week there's a new gig to play, a new love story, and a new chance to experience a sweaty, giddy, nearly forgotten feeling of togetherness. For six single musicians who are themselves looking for love, what does it mean to get lucky in a post-pandemic world? Oh, bold. Bold choice. Uh, I, I, I guess the assumption is, is that by the time this is greenlit and then it airs, presumably in the 2021-2022 season, People will we, be allowed to have weddings again. Yeah, we'll, we'll be past it, yeah. Um, Ambitious. It's definitely different for him, just based on what I know him for. Because when, you know, when I think of Veronica Mars and iZombie, I see the, the through line between them that sort of connects them and mm. the, the, being the same like creator behind them. Uh, no, obviously he didn't create iZombie from scratch, that was based on the comic, but the, the show does feel like there's a lot of Very creative tissue. different from what the yeah. comic is as well, yeah. Um, and, and honestly, that's kind of why I'm suspecting there's probably more to this than we're hearing right now. Mm. There's, there's probably a solid through line that will make sense once we see it. Very possibly. Uh, yeah, I don't usually I like to end in a really bad CBS show or something, but honestly, I didn't have one this week, so... See, you know, Rod Thomas show. That's, yeah, the Rod Thomas show. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's NBC, which, I mean, I can't remember the last time I liked an NBC show, but... The first two seasons of Hannibal for me, I think. Oh, no, nah, I wasn't that into that. Um, uh, I don't think of anything else since then, and that was a few years ago now. I, I think it's all comedies. I don't think I've ever really... I don't, I don't know if there's any dramas that I like in NBC. Um, uh, unless someone's going to remind me of one that I've forgotten about. But, yeah, there probably is. Uh, but there you go, that's the news. That is this week's uh, TV news. Uh, hopefully you heard about some interesting stuff there or enjoyed some of our conversations on the bigger topics earlier on. Uh, I'll remind you to like and subscribe and all that jazz. And of course, uh, get us on patreon.com slash TV. Um, it's not quite late TV-wise. Obviously, we're still doing oh. Star Trek Discovery. We got the Expanse returning in a couple of weeks, as mentioned. We'll be trying the stand on CBS All Access within the next few weeks as well. Uh, so that's all there uh, to, to look at. That's the same week as the Expanse, I believe. Yes, yeah. That'll be fi- finally a busy week of TV. It's actually going to be kind of refreshing. That's, uh, yeah, going to have at, at least... Three episodes of The Expanse, an episode of The Stand, and a Star Trek Discovery, all in the same, like, three or four day span. Hey, we've, we've, we've had too much rest these these past few weeks. It's been... We have we have coasted a bit, haven't we? Honestly, it was a great time for it, though, because the new consoles came out. I, I, I was happy to have some extra free time these past few weeks and the next couple, but... Yeah, uh... we, we can pretty much guarantee that come the new year, things will be back to, all right, we're going to pump out some content. Yes. Uh, so look forward uh, to some of that stuff um, you know otherwise that's pretty much us uh, get us on twitter at mail for channel updates and we'll see you next time so keep watching TV guys have you got any vanilla <laughs>